Well, Rabbi has asked me to fill in for him, and I always count it a privilege to be here to share the word with you. Um, I appreciate so much uh, that he trusts me to do that, and I trust God this morning that what I have to say will uh, bless God and bless you and, and help you understand the word a little bit better. I've been a believer since 1972, and it amazes me that as I read the word, I find things new in it when I read it. And uh, it's, it's, it's a living word. We have the living word right here. Not only here in our hearts as with Yeshua, but here as well. Uh, and so uh, as I filled in for the, the rabbi, I've been doing a series, right? I've been doing the, the Beatitudes. So I'm going to continue. I was conflicted, though. Um, I uh, really felt like the Lord wanted me to do something else for today. But as I, I did it, I, I had two sermons actually prepared uh, for today. Uh, but you know, God has, uh, has this one here, I think, for us this morning. The other one you'll hear sometime soon. Uh, I want to say it's very interesting um, that I don't know, remember the last time I carried the Torah since my surgery. I'm not sure. But I thank God for the strength to be able to do that. Uh, I remember when um, Howard asked me if I could do Hagba'ah, and I, and I did, and I almost fell over, and everybody's, you know, somebody come to the synagogue like twice, and that was the second or third time they saw that the Torah almost went over. But I think it was because of my heart issue at the time. I'm not sure, quite sure what it was. But as I was carrying around, I was thankful that I have breath, that I have life, and uh, physical life as well as spiritual life. And uh, it was a joy to be able to carry the tour around this morning in the processional. And I want to thank you for your prayers for me. I'm doing very well. I graduated rehab, cardiac rehab, this last week. I have a little certificate to prove it. Uh, it, been, it had been some work, but uh, as Rebecca says, I have a, a better uh, zip in my step now. Matter of fact, she used to walk faster than I uh, do, but now I'm doing faster than her. I'm saying, come on, honey, come on along uh, with me. And uh, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for God for sparing my life. And sometime I will share with you publicly uh, what had happened and how God has just uh, blessed me uh, with that. With that, I invite you to turn to your Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, and uh, I'm going to read uh, verses uh, 1 through 12. I have the New American Standard Bible. This uh, uh, Bible, as a matter of fact, Rebecca reminded me today, this was, I was ordained uh, in the Christian Missionary Alliance, and this is the Bible she got for me so that when I preach, I preach out of this, this particular Bible. Um, so it means a lot to me. And when he saw the multitudes... He went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And opening his mouth, he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, as 
we hear these words. For some of us, this is not the first time. But I can hear Yeshua saying these words to the multitudes. Not only did he say it to them back then, but he says it to us today. I thank you, Father, for sending Yeshua to be the Messiah, to be our Messiah, that we might have this life eternal, that we might understand our relationship with you. Thank you for sending the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, to dwell within us, that we might have understanding of the Word, and may we have understanding this morning as we open up the Word together. We sit at your feet, Yeshua, wanting to hear from you, and not from man. We want to hear you, what you have for us. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. I'd like to key on in verse 7 this morning. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful. In regard to this statement, someone has said, quote, what a test of each one of us, of our whole standing, and of our profession of the faith we have in Yeshua. Those are happy people, says Messiah. Those are the people who are to be congratulated. That is, what man should be like, merciful. This past weekend, Rebecca and I and two other couples were in Niagara Falls. And uh, anybody that's in this room this morning, whether you're African-American, Caucasian, whatever you are, you would have been a minority where we were. There were people from India, and I mean a lot of people from India there. There were people from the Middle East as well there, and we were the minority. And I started to feel a little bit afraid. I started to judge. I started to look and say, oh, what are they? Who are they? What are they doing? And I was thinking about that as I was thinking about the sermon about being merciful. I wasn't being very merciful in my thinking and in my attitude. And, uh, you know, God had mercy on me. God had mercy on you. Um, there's a, a song that uh, I'm going to share with you at the end. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to share it with you. But it's, it's uh, uh, Casting Crowns is, is, the, is the people who wrote it. And, uh, and it's about mercy. It's about Yeshua came for sinners. And I want to read the description of how the song came. And, and I thought of myself when I read this description about last week in my own attitude. I've been a believer, like I said, since 1972. I should know better. But God knows me, and he's helping me to continue to walk in holiness before him. He said this, the one who wrote the lyrics, I've often said that the world doesn't know enough about what believers stand for, and too many times they only know what we're against. This song is a reminder that we all need to do something about that. While the song uses strong words to grab our attention, the truths are meant to lead us to the prayer within the course. Lord, open our eyes to the world at the end of our pointing fingers and let our hearts be led by mercy. If we're to do nothing else is to do justly, love mercy and to walk humbly before our God, which comes from Micah 6, 8. I've said from the beginning that Casting Crown's ministry primarily is to the believers in Yeshua. We try to minister to his body. Yeshua talked straight to the folks when he walked on the earth. So I think we need to heed his word and turn the finger inward a little bit. When I first read the lyrics to my wife, Melanie, she gave me a crooked eyebrow look. Okay, are you sure you can say that? She asked. While it's true this is one of the more direct songs we've written, 
it also speaks truth. And I think believers should speak truth to each other as long as we do it in love. The people who worship with us know we love them. We aren't angry. We aren't some angry artist standing outside and criticizing the body of believers. We're in it right alongside other believers, and we're also preaching to ourselves first. In fact, you'll notice the first verse that, that I'll be speaking about myself. This is what he's saying. The world is on their way to you, but they're tripping over me, always looking around, but never looking up. I'm so double-minded. I think God has given us a platform when we, where we can talk honestly about issues important to his heart, meaning God's heart. That's why the cry of the song is, God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Finally, the heartbeat of the song is wrapped up in the bridge, which speaks the biggest truth directly to the most important person of all, Yeshua. You are good, and your love endures forever. And I got to thinking about my attitude toward these people, which was wrong. God loves them as much as he loves me. God will have mercy on them as he had mercy on me. Who am I? This young man back in the day from Boston, Massachusetts, who, who, who could hardly find his way. Yet God brought someone to me to share this gospel, to share who Yeshua is and who he is for me. And I thank God that I listened. And I thank God for the mercy that he had in my life. Blessed are the mercy. You see, in the Beatitudes, Yeshua is describing and portraying who the believer is and the believer's character. It's all about being a believer in this wonderful Yeshua, Messiah. It's not about doing. I could do and I could show. Look at me. Look who I am. I look real good. I dress right. I wear the right clothes. I say the right things. But in my heart, I have this, I don't know what we could sick thing about that person I'm judging and, you know, and so forth. Did not Yeshua, our Lord, say in Matthew 12, 34 through 37, you brood of vipers, how you, being evil, can speak what is good. For the mouth speaks out of which the heart fills. The good man out of his good treasure brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of his evil treasures brings forth what is evil. And I say to you that every careless word that a man shall speak, they shall render account for it on the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified and by your words you shall be condemned. Now, I'm not here this morning to yell and preach. and I'm just here to share. I'm just here to share what's on my heart. Maybe it's on your heart, too. We have to ask the question, what do you fill your heart with? What do you fill your mind with? What do you do? I think we waste too much time on the unimportant, too much time on things that aren't important in the kingdom of God. A believer is something before he or she does something or anything. We have to be before we act as a believer. Being is more important than doing. Attitude is more significant than action. Why? Because if our attitude, our very being is correct, then it will result in our action being correct. Not that we are perfect. None of us is perfect. But yet we strive, strive to see Yeshua, the, the author and finisher of our faith, we strive to get into the Word of God every day. I hope you do that. You hear me say that all the time. We strive. And in families, I hope you get together, and I hope you are with your children and your grandchildren, who's ever there, and you have a devotional time that you pray for those in need. Yet the Scriptures tells us about our heart 
In Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10, it says, The heart is more deceitful than, than all else. It is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. God, in his mercy, has given to the believer a new nature, a spiritual transformation that occurs within the inner man, within inside. The new nature gives to the believer a new set of values, a new motivation, a new mishpucha, a new family, a new community, a new outlook on life. There are some who would say that we are to try to be the best believer in this and that and the other thing in that respect, try to live as a believer here or there and do this thing and do that thing. Those are maybe important things, but no, not at all. We are believers in the living Messiah, Yeshua, and our actions are the outcome of the living relationship that we have with him, whom we serve. Do you serve him this morning? I hope you do. We do not control our life in Yeshua. Our life in Yeshua is controlled by him and him alone. Now, he's a gentleman. He's not going to come in, and he's not going to make us as robots. But if we let him, he will control our lives. I am to be dominated by the truth of the word of God. It is to permeate me. It is to pervade me. It is to saturate. It is to infiltrate. It is to spread through everything that I am in the inner man because I have been made a believer by the operation of the Ruach HaKodesh within me. Everyone can quote Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with the Messiah, yet it is I who don't live, but he lives within me in life which I live now in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and what gave himself for me. For out of the heart the mouth speaks, and no one gets a pass. Interesting, isn't it? The Brichad speaks about being born again and rebirth, about a new creation, about receiving a new nature. It happens to the believer in the very center of their being. The believer's faith is not something on the surface of her person's life. It's not outward doing, but it is inward. It's not merely kind of a a coating or veneer outside of the, the believer, but it's within. It is not like clothing we put on. It is something that has been happening in the very center of our personality. The new nature controls our thoughts, our outlook, our imagination, and as a result, the actions as well. Indeed, the Beatitudes are very searching because they tell us, in effect, that we, as we live our ordinary lives, we are declaring all the time, not just a little bit of the time, not just some of the time, but all the time, exactly who we are and what we are. By the way we react to life situations, we manifest our spirit. And it is the spirit that proclaims the man in terms of his relationship to Yeshua. The whole of our life is an expression and a proclamation of what and who we really are. Think about that. I'll say it again. The whole of our life is an expression and proclamation of what and who we really are. Wouldn't you agree that the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, has drawn an extraordinary portrait of the believer here in the Beatitudes? So what are we to do? Do we beat ourselves up because we do not seem to measure up? Of course not. But I do believe that we need to, to, to ask ourselves the question honestly, am I merciful? Do I have a pure heart? Am I poor in the spirit? Do I mourn? Uh, am I gentle? Do I hunger and thirst for righteousness, and am I merciful? Do I emanate mercy? I didn't emanate mercy in my thinking when I was in Niagara Falls last week. Further, I have to ask ourselves the question here, since we are a Messianic Jewish community, 
Are we as a Messianic Jewish community merciful? So you ask the question, what is mercy? And I'm glad that we've asked that question. I think negatively, it is not to be easygoing. It's not not to see things. And if we think see things, we pretend that we don't see those things. It's not a natural disposition to be mercy because we're selfish and we, we want to do things on our own. It's not an attitude of easy to get along with. It does not mean that the law is broken and therefore we have to have mercy and so forth. But what is mercy? I think mercy is, a, is compassion for people in need. For compassion for people in need. It deals with, uh, with what we see of pain, of misery, in distress. I remember when I was in college, the president of the college's son went over to India as a missionary, and he was going to be living among the poorest of the poor over there, the lowest caste. And I thought to myself, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. Why? I don't know. I, at that time, but he went and he lived there, and he's still there as I understand it, and that's over, that's since 1983. And uh, he had mercy and compassion. He saw the pain, he saw the misery, the distress. Mercy extends relief, it cures, it helps, it heals. Mercy looks especially upon the miserable consequences of sin. Mercy is, has a sense of pity, plus a desire to relieve the suffering. Mercy is pity plus action, not just pity. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 18. Let's look at uh, a verse here, and I'm, you're really familiar with it, I'm sure, but it's, it's good just to look at it, to remember. Um, you remember when Yeshua was, was there, and he was with his disciples, and, and, and Peter asked this question, Matthew 18, verse 21. Matthew 18, verse 21. I'm going to read that so we can get an idea of this picture here. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Yeshua said to him, I do not say up, say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a certain king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when they began to settle them, they were brought to him, one who owed him ten thousand talents. And that was a lot of money back in the day. But since he did not have the means to repay, the Lord commanded him to be sold, along with his wife and children and all that he had, and repayment to be made. The slave, therefore, falling down, prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord said, Lord of the slave felt compassion, pity, mercy, and released him and forgave him the debt. But the slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, which is not too much, like one day's wage. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. His fellow slave fell down and began to entreat him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. Sound familiar? He was unwilling, however, but went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he had owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. And then summoning him, the Lord, his Lord, said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt because you entreated me. Should you not also have mercy on your fellow slave, even as I had mercy on you? And his Lord, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that he owed. So shall my heavenly Father also do to you, if each one of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Here was a, 
A slave who was shown mercy, but yet he did not show any mercy. He had the power to exert, the, the king had the power to exert his rights, and he didn't, and he had mercy. But the slave, on the other hand, did not have mercy, and he exerted his rights. He said, I'm within my legal, legal rights to do that. I guess the, the, the point of that story is several things, but what I want to point out today is that that slave had a vindictive spirit toward that person, that other slave, and he should have been merciful. As he was granted mercy, he should be giving mercy. We need to be kind to our enemy to whom we need to show mercy. That's hard, isn't it? It's hard that when someone comes against you and hates you for whatever reason, for you to have mercy because you just want to get them back at them. I don't know about you, but that's the way I feel at first. And I felt like that because I saw those people from the Middle East and you know they need Yeshua just as much as I or you do. And that was a bad attitude. I was not showing the mercy that God had shown me. I had to confess that and I had to move on and say, okay, God, forgive. I didn't say anything to him, but that was going on within my mind. I was you know, conflicted. <laughs> You know, and so we need to show mercy like the, the Lord did for his, his uh, servant. And, uh, and that's a hard thing to do. And only by the grace of God and the mercy of God can we do that. What about the Good Samaritan? And we won't turn there, but Luke uh, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, everybody knows that. There was someone that was almost half dead in the road, and there was a priest and someone else came by, and then the Samaritan came by, and the Samaritan uh, saw that person on the side of the road, and what did he do? He got up. He had mercy on the others who knew better, who knew the word. The Samaritans were considered castouts, half Jews. They were not. They were not part of the Jewish nation. They were separate, and were, were despised by the Jewish people. And the Samaritans despised the Israelites as well. Yet he stopped. Yet he had mercy. Here's this man lying in the road, and he felt compassion and pity and mercy on him. He was a man who was merciful. He is sorry for the victim on the side of the road. He goes across the road. He, he dresses the wounds. He takes the man with him. He brings him to the inn. He provides for the man as well, paying his bill at the inn. What is mercy? Blessed are the mercy, merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mercy is a great desire, an endeavor to do something to relieve a bad situation, to help someone who needs the help. Of course, the supreme example is God, isn't it? He sent his only begotten son, Yeshua, the son of man, the prince of peace, the lamb, the Messiah, to show his unconditional mercy and love to us. God saw the suffering and the pitiable state that we as mankind are in. We who are law-breaking, we who, who are his creation, we break his laws continually, yet he sent his son. That is what moved God to action. Our pitiful, pitiful estate, he had mercy, so the Son came and dealt with our, our wretched, deplorable, contemptible, despicable condition. God in his mercy brought about the atonement. One would think that the concept of justice and the atonement would be mutually exclusive. However, the concept is beautifully brought together in the atonement. They not, they're not excuse, exclusive. They are together. The atonement, mercy, love, justice, peace, goodness, and kindness. There's no con con contradiction between justice and mercy or truth and mercy. I need to look not simply at those who come against me as one I dislike, but as one who's to be pitied. In other words, I differentiate between the sinner and his sin. So what I should have done was to pray for that people or that person. What I should have done was to change my attitude to one God 
That person knows no better because that person doesn't know you. That person has been duped and deluded and gone down this so-called primrose path to what they believe. I am to pray rather than to be annoyed and ignore. Scripture tells us that John the Immerser's father thanked God that mercy had now been realized by the birth of his son. He understood what was happening, that which was promised to the Jewish people. He thanked God for the Messiah that was to come through the tender mercy of God. Yes, grace was there in regard to sin in general, but, how, but now this grace becomes mercy in particular as God looks at the consequences of sin. It is God looking down upon man in his pitiful condition as a result of sin and having pity upon him. That is what mercy is. So how do we obtain mercy then? Because God is merciful to me, I am to be merciful to others. As God is merciful to me and to you, we are to be merciful to others. We are to pity them. We are to forgive them. God will forgive and God does forgive. Therefore, I can forgive as well. It may be hard. And I was thinking of an illustration. How hard is it for those who have been sexually abused or physically abused to forgive? Ask any counselor, they'll tell you it's very, very difficult because it hurts, especially when they're young and their innocence is taken away. How can you forgive? How can you forgive someone who's shot your wife or your child? That's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying you'll ever get over it because you don't ever get over it. I like what the rabbi said. Don't tell anybody to get over it. Work through it. Mercy says, I can forgive. It's hard but I can forgive. And I'm not saying it's a magic bullet, it just happens like that. But God in his mercy loves us and God will help us to work through those things. How am I to obtain mercy? All who are in the state of sin, they are to be pitied as I was pitied, as you were pitied. Yeshua is a supreme example. After all his suffering and agonies, he said, Father, forgive them. Why did he say that? Because he knew that they were dominated by sin. It is Satan, it is the enemy of our soul, Satan, not them. They are the victims. Remember Stephen the martyr? He said, Lord, do not hold it against them. They are infuriated, they are outraged because of sin, because of the sinful state. They do not understand me, Lord. They are blinded by the God of this world. Mercy is to forgive. I'm not saying it's easy. As God has forgiven me, I will forgive. We as mankind are helpless slaves to sin. We need to see mankind as God sees mankind. You see mankind, and we need to look at him, as I said before, duped, deluded, deluded, and victimized and become slaves to sin, slaves to Satan and the way of the world. We feel for them. We look at their facial expressions of bitterness and anger and disappointment, and they are to be pitied. When I lived in Pittsburgh, we used to go to Giant Eagle, Rebecca and I, and uh, we were shopping one evening, and there was a woman in the shopping that was shopping in the same store, and she was in a line next to ours, and we were pulling up at the same time to the clerk. Uh, we happened to be there at the same time, and all of a sudden, this woman just started yelling at the clerk, just really, really nasty. She looked at the bagger, and she yelled at the bagger, and they're just stunned. I believe she was a believer. I believe she claimed to be a quote-unquote Christian in the community. And we're just, we're just sitting there shaking our heads. What's going on? You know, this lady lost it. 
So we're done, and she's done at the same time we go out, and you know she didn't stop there. She yelled at the person in the car next to her. What was the reaction? What should that reaction of that clerk and the bagger and the person in the car, they should pity her. They should pray for her. She needed help. She was duped. She thought her anger and her selfishness and her bitterness could get out, and she could just take it out on everyone. We need to pray for someone like that. She was on a rampage, and any who, anybody was in her way was going to get a piece of her mind, whether they wanted it or not. She showed who she was on the inside. Out of her heart, her mouth spoke. She was unlike Yeshua. She was unlike God. She was the opposite of a merciful person. We should feel great sorrow for people like that. We should be praying for people like her, asking that God would have mercy on her, that he would speak to her about her attitude towards others. We should have great sorrow for people like that because they have been blinded, they have been duped, they have been deluded and victimized by the enemy of our souls, Satan. I said that at least three times today, didn't I? I wanted to make that point. We have obtained mercy in the following way. We have it every time we sin and we say, God, forgive me, that is mercy. Because of the operation of grace in our lives that is unmerited favor in our hearts with forgiveness, I become merciful. If I am forgiven, I shall forgive. Why? Because I proclaim I am forgiven by God in Yeshua and by God's mercy that I am forgiven because I have already obtained mercy. Therefore, I am to be merciful. If the grace of Yeshua is in us, if the Ruach HaKodesh of the Lord is in us, then we are to be merciful. And we, as we are merciful, we shall obtain mercy on that last day. The bottom line, and I know you know this, that the God of grace makes us merciful. Let each one of us here today examine ourselves. Are you merciful? Really? We need to meditate on Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Are we like that servant who did not have mercy and we want to get even? I'm not asking what sort of life you are living. I'm not asking you whether... You do this or that or the other thing. I'm not asking whether you have some general interest in the kingdom of God and in this synagogue. I'm simply asking, are you, are you merciful as God has been merciful to you? Are you sorry for the sinner even though he offends or treats you unfairly? Have you pity upon all who are victims, the dupes of the world, the deluded of the world, and its system, the flesh, and the devil? The test is this. Blessed or happy are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We have obtained mercy, hallelujah, to our king. When the golden seed of mercy is sown in abundance, a harvest is gathered in for the kingdom. As it tells us in Luke 6.38, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, they will pour out into your lap. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. I would like to read the lyrics of this song. That was written by Casting Crowns. The actual title is Jesus, Friend of Sinners. I'm saying Yeshua, Friend of Sinners. Yeshua, Friend of Sinners, we have strayed so far away. We cut down people in your name, but the sword was never ours to swing. Yeshua, Friends of Sinners, the truce, I'm sorry. The truce becomes so hard to see. The world is on their way to you, but they're tripping over me. Always looking around but never looking up. I'm so double-minded, a plank-eyed saint with dirty hands and a divided heart. O oh, Yeshua, friend of sinners, open our eyes to the world 
at the end of our pointing fingers. Let our hearts be led by mercy. Help us reach with open hearts and open doors. O Yeshua, friend of sinners, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Yeshua, friend of sinners, the one who's writing in the sand, make the righteous turn away and the stones fall from their hands. Help us to remember we are all the least of these. Let the memory of your mercy bring your people to their knees. Nobody knows what we're for only what we're against, what we're for only for what we're against when we judge the wounded. What if we put down our signs, crossed over the lines, and loved like you did? Oh, Yeshua, friend of sinners, open our eyes to the world at the end of our pointing fingers. Let our hearts be led by mercy. Help us reach the open hearts and open doors. Oh, Yeshua, friend of sinners, break our hearts for it breaks yours. You love every lost cause. You reach to the outcast. For the leper and the lame, they're, they're the reason you came. Lord, I was the lost cause, and I was the outcast. But you died for sinners just like me, a grateful leper at your feet. O oh, Yeshua, friend of sinners, open our eyes to the world. At the, beginning of our pointing, at the end of our pointing fingers, let our hearts be led by mercy. Help us reach out, reach the open hearts and open doors. O oh, Yeshua, friend of sinners, break our hearts, what breaks yours. And I was a lost cause, and I was the outcast. You died for sinners just like me, a grateful leper at your feet. Powerful. May we be merciful. Maybe if we're merciful, more people will come to know him, and they wouldn't stumble over us. Let us pray. Father, we're so judgmental as people. We're so selfish as people. We need you. We need you to help us to be all we can be for you, to honor you through what we say, what we do, and who we are, even what we're thinking. When no one else knows what we're thinking, you know that. Open up the door, this, the pathway for us this week, today, tomorrow, and the rest of the week, that we might see those who are pitied. Open our mouths to speak of you and your wonders and of your glorious name that you did send the Messiah for the world. May we not be duped, deluded, Father, but may we understand and know. May we be infiltrated by you and saturated by your word and your presence in our lives. We thank you and praise you. Thank you for this time. Thank you, Yeshua, for speaking to our hearts. It's in your name I pray. Amen.